My name is Logan Dixon, and this is the Monday Morning Megaphone. Good morning, and welcome to the Monday Morning Megaphone. Uh, Logan Dixon here, and I've got with me my my guest for the day, uh, Clayton Homewood. Clayton is the uh, pastor of Cherry Hill Baptist Church. Cherry uh, Valley. Cherry Valley, I'm sorry. I don't know where I got Cherry Hill from. Um <laughs> Cherry Valley Baptist Church, and and where and that and where is that located? Uh, right outside of Jonesboro, so probably about 35, 40 minutes uh, from Jonesboro. Okay, so we're pretty good, uh, not too far away from uh, a town, you know, pretty good sized town from. Right. Uh, so I I wanted to bring Clayton on. I've been wanting to bring him on the podcast for a while. Uh, just to kind of turn the mics on and see what happens. But I've actually got an express purpose today. Um, we're going to be talking about the uh, John Newton Pastors Conference that's coming up uh, in May. Is that right? Yeah, May t- uh, 20th. Yeah, 20th and 21st will be uh, the conference dates, and both will be starting at 10 o'clock that morning. And um, so, yeah. And so, but before we get too deep into the topic of the conference, Clayton, tell me a little bit about your background. Tell me about how you got into ministry and how you got to where you are now. So that's, okay. that'll take us a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> where's, where's the time? Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. So um, I was converted at 16. Um I grew up in church. I had made uh, made multiple professions of faith, just as much as I had changed my socks, and none of those were authentic. Um, there was really nothing going on mentally or in my heart spiritually, um, any concern for Jesus, the things of God, or anything like that. It was just really something that I hope this works, and maybe that will trigger that, and kind of thing. And I did that at seven and at twelve. I was baptized both of those times. And then at 16, I finally uh, felt the call of God on my life uh, to come to him and to rest. And so from then on, I was converted and was baptized shortly after. And then a year later, I actually surrendered to ministry at a church that um, was going through quite a bit already. And was going through some turmoil, uh, some inner conflict stuff, but for the most part, was still pretty good for me to be able to express that interest. Hey, I'm being—I think I'm being called into ministry. And then um, switched churches um, with a pastor who really we could not agree on anything, but he really took the time to help train me and disciple me, and made sure I had context to be able to. Um, be able to practice my craft of preaching and learn how to get in the swing of things of studying and doing like that and just being a church member at the same time. And so <clears throat> I did that for a couple of years and filling the pulpit from 18 on up till 21. And then in 21, a church in my uh, town where I was living for city, I had filled in for there quite a few times actually. And they had a pastor there at that one at the time, and, and I'll get into that, uh, what his actual title was um, here in a minute. But he was the pastor, he's the fill-in guy. He asked me to come up and say, hey, the church really likes you. They really like your family. 
why don't you come and view of a call for our youth minister? And they said, you would be doing majority of the work because we have no youth. And I was like, okay. <laughs> but at this point, I was kind of ready to serve in that kind of context and be willing to um, do anything I can, um, hit the ground running kind of thing. And so I came and I preached that morning. I was supposed to preach both services. And the pastor there at the time, come to find out he wasn't officially the pastor. He was more the, the supply pastor who they just wound up licensing. And so um, one of the things here about some of the free churches uh, that we deal with, and I'm not sure if it's the same thing for you in Cumberland, uh, but you, you, they separate licensing and ordination. So ordination you could have without actually being licensed. And so um, that was kind of something weird, and I, I never knew that. But um, anyway, come to find out he was not actually the pastor. He was just kind of the licensee. He They licensed him, and he was following the pulpit for about a year and a half. And we got to talking a little bit, got to talking about how, you know, what we expect from ministry, what he expects, and things like that. And come to find out he was divorced. And I said, well, brother, I'm sorry, but I cannot sign up for this. Um, for one, you don't really have the authority to do so, to have me on and me submit to you when you're really not really part of the staff. And so I, we had a long talk and I could tell also that he was kind of heartbroken and he was kind of mentally and emotionally exhausted. So I think there was some other underlying things going on. So that was um, a Sunday. The following Sunday, I was actually supposed to go with a family member's kind of mini reunion you know, on my dad's side of the family and wasn't really even going to go to church that day either. And, but one of the men of the church had called me up like around seven o'clock in the morning and had asked, would you be willing to come in and preach for us? Well, I said, well, I'm not going to really be in town today. And so, but, um, I mean, is there, don't you guys have a pastor? What's, what's going on? I said, well, he kind of just grabbed all the stuff and left and told us to mail him his last check. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what in the world's going on here? And come to find out, um, he had dealt with some severe uh, manic depression and bipolar disorders, and it was affecting him too much uh, being in full-time ministry or any kind of ministry for that matter. And so he kind of just grabbed all the stuff from the church, Not didn't really tell anybody. He texted one guy uh, of the church, and just that was it. And we never heard from him again. So I go up that following Monday. We had a uh, four-hour conversation about where I am theologically, uh, what, I, what my hopes would be for any kind of church, uh, not just theirs. And so what they wanted me to do was come on as a supply pastor, somebody for they would have to fill in the pulpit while they have time to get up a search committee, go through all that jazz. And I was doing that for six months. In that time, they decided they wanted to ordain me and officially call me as their pastor. Uh, and so I was there for almost three years and eight months. That's how long I was there. Um, so I've been in that, and then I went to Moro Baptist. Uh, of course, you know that. Um, we uh, He preached at the last conference there, a little town of nowhere. And then I was there for four years, a little over four years, four years and maybe like a month or two. From there, I received the call to go to Cherry Valley, and that's that's about it. Hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's quite the journey. Uh, yeah. <laughs> where, was that, where was that first church you said that you pastored? 
It was at Forest City Baptist Church. Forest City Baptist Church. It was, um, people always said it was behind the courthouse, but technically uh, I'm talking about Main Street. And uh, it was always in front or of, of the courthouse. And so you have the little church. It used to be a first Christian church. And then they closed down in 2000. Well, in 2006, another pastor um, got it and spruced it up a little bit, fixed up some things, and replanted it as Forest City Baptist. He was there. I'm not sure how long he was there, but um, he was there for quite a bit. And the church was actually really growing, uh, but unfortunately uh, was involved in the church split shortly after. And the church just never really recovered since then. And so, yeah, um, Fort City Baptist right on uh, South Main. Yeah, I remember uh, whenever I preached at, at your church for the pastor's conference uh, last last year. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, you took me on a little tour of, of Moro and Forest City. And yeah, you drove me by that church. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, uh, it's interesting to see see where God's taken you, uh, you know, from Forest City to Moro to Cherry Valley. Yeah, he takes me from like a town of 14,000 to 140, and then again to a, six, a town of like 640 something. <laughs> so it's like, I think I'm kind of getting up there, uh, back up to the 14,000 mark, but I don't, I'm not sure yet. Uh, he might put me down at a 50 uh, town people. Uh, you just never know. Right. Uh, but yeah, um, I was there for three years, over three years, and then four years for Moro. And in Four City, I was incredibly bivocational. What I mean by that is I had to work 50 plus hours plus pastor and also uh, cultivate relationship with uh, my wife, uh, who was my girlfriend at the time. And so I was I was busy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that'll, that'll make you busy, man. I don't know how you did it because I, I'm full time. <laughs> and sometimes I don't feel like I have enough time. No, um, and then now, you know, uh, for me here at Cherry Valley, I started seminary uh, a little bit before I left Moro, about a year or so beforehand. And so I was bivocational then, so I was working at a funeral home. Then I was pursuing my license there. So I was studying everything for that, doing um, school as best as I can and not try to be a, a flunky. And then also pastor this church who expects me to pastor in a full-time but a part-time salary. Right. So, um, yeah. And then now my life has gotten even crazier because I'm starting school in January back and now I've got twins. Right. (laughs) I was about to say, now now you've got twins. So yeah, uh, I don't, I I guess I'm just a glutton for punishment when it comes to busyness. (laughs) Right. Well, Clayton, it's good to have you on the podcast. Um, so tell me about, tell me about, uh, the pastor's conference. Okay. Quit that tell me about the uh, pastor's conference. Uh, tell me about uh, why does John Newton need a pastor's conference? He's dead. Doesn't he have everything he already needs now? Yeah, well, he's got way more than he needs right now. Uh, <laughs> not dealing with William Cowper all the time. That's for sure. <laughs> that's probably, that's really bad. <laughs> but anyway, uh, sorry, my apologies. Um, no. Uh, so we had did a conference my first year after my first year at Morrow. I wanted to start doing pastors conferences and the church allowed me to do it. And they said, um, at first, uh, uh, they said, we're not too sure if we want to pay everybody to come, you know, pay for their gas and all that, but we'll provide food. And I said, okay, I can work with that. So how many people can I talk to who'd be willing to travel to a little, little town of nowhere 
for free and expect nothing in return except good fellowship, maybe some food and maybe a free book. And who can I talk to? It's like, well, I've actually got quite a bit of context of people who I can uh, strong arm and do that. So what our first conference was enjoying God. And I was really pushing um, this idea of kind of religious affections and the Edwardian um, Piperian, you know, kind of sense, you know, really in that ministry. And I was really wanting to bring that to the Delta more so than I thought anybody else have done before. And so how do I take this huge idea and bring it to this place? And so um, that was the first year of the conference. We, there was nobody <laughs> except us, me and the speakers. So but we had a good uh, fellowship time. I had pastors who were really in the several hundreds or hundreds, um, you know, a couple hundred so people in their churches, you know, big wigs, according to us, people sure. that we'd serve, who really showed true humility and really showed the eagerness to want to serve uh, other pastors and be loving to them and to help them and preach to them. And that is something that I found was awesome. So the first year we did that, we did on Enjoying God, and we had a bunch of different stuff, you know, kind of tagged up. And and um, the second year we did Jonathan Edwards and the Religious Affections. That turned out great. Um, we had um, probably best as, about as much as what we had last year. Actually, last year was probably the most we've ever had, which was close to 20. So we had a little over 12 to 13 people. So like compared to last year, which was just me and the speakers versus the second year religious affections conference, I'm thinking I've made it. Yep. I'm going to host desire and God right here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that turned out great because not only was the messages and the theological uh, substance so rich, but the fellowship was just as rich and the materials that was given out as as kind of a uh, as a go you know a tie-in to these things was also really great i mean i had ligonier was willing to give me uh, multiple issues of their table talk uh desiring god had sent out several books that were just for free they didn't expect anything in return um i think i was even able to get trinitarian bible society to send us free calendars <laughs> and so i was like how, how am i doing this and um and so that was really great. And then the third year, of course, Gospel Sufficiency Conference, where you preached at. And it was just as good. I mean, the fellowship was great. Uh, we had people who differed on ecclesiology and soteriology. And we had one person who was wrong on baptism, you. <laughs> I've got to do a pot shot. I've got you on my, on my podcast, man. Yeah, I know. I know. And... Uh, and so we, um, so I wanted to really take a venture out and say, can we truly say, yes, these people are brothers and they're sisters in Christ, um, but can we fellowship with them in this kind of manner and actually hold a somewhat impromptu church service with an actual uh, formal um, liturgy or order of service? Uh, how does that work? What does this chaos look like? And sure enough, of course, uh, the theology was rich. Uh, the fellowship was richer. And I think the, the pastors and the other saints and the, the pew 
came back refreshed and felt, yeah, this is great. This is nothing compared to like T4G or anything like that, where you go and the theology is rich, but you don't know people from Adam over there. Mm-hmm. And that was the, the case for me when I went in 18, which was their, their last one before, you know, COVID hit. And it was great. I enjoyed it, but I didn't know anybody there. I knew the guy who went with me, who drove with me, but that was it because he was a pastor in a town up the road from me. <clears throat> and um, <clears throat> and so that was kind of something that I wanted to do. And then as I was kind of getting ready to kind of maybe I'm going to do another conference, maybe I'm going to do it on Spurgeon or something else. And and uh, I had you on for that one, too, but that one kind of fell through. And so I had to regroup and retry everything because at this moment uh, I was switching churches. Right. It's like this is not going to work. And kids were coming around the same date as the conference. And so it was like, I'm just I just got to push it up, you know, just like give me like six more months. <clears throat> and it's one of the things that I was starting to realize is that some people have what is called uh, the Keech, Benjamin Keach conference. You know, the Foreign Baptists have that and over in California. And, you know, that does really well for them. Uh, the new covenant guys, they have a John Bunyan conference uh, and that does really well for them. But what about people who really are just normal? I mean, who want rich theology and knows that rich theology is the thing that causes us to walk more closely with Christ, pastor our, pe- our people better and love our families more because of it more christ-like what is the who's the guy that really emulates that despite his faults uh, and they are strenuous uh and no one really popped out to mind to me other than john newton one is because john newton was involved in the slave trade and one of the things that helped expel slavery from england was him being brutally honest about some of the things he had to deal with on um, sailing back and forth between Africa and England uh, of the brutality and the just the horrent, horrendous uh, things that he had to partake in. And uh, I think he would he wrote in his, one of his letters that he, he would tend to his devotions in the morning and then throw uh, dead slaves overboard mm. uh, an hour afterwards. And so just this completely different thing that people would deal with and you would think, well, how, how in the world does people deal with this? You know, how this guy doesn't seem like a very good Christian to me. He seems like a very hypocritical pastor. But the thing is, that's what all Christians are. We are so complicated and so hypocritical at times that we really don't know what our hands are doing at the time. But in his letters to his congregation and to other people like William Wilberforce, William Cowper, all these people, you see his true... Uh, self because he was not a very good pa- uh, preacher. Uh, he tried to emulate so many different people and it just didn't work out well. And, and uh, it would, it just never ended well for his preaching goes, but in his letters and his own pastoral visitations, that's where his true theology showed up. And that's where his true pastoral um, uh, and practical theology showed up is in him writing letters to William Cowper being with him, even after William Cowper tried to commit suicide um that is what i wanted us to kind of have the banner over and said yes we're incredibly messed up yes we have problems uh our family lives are t- sometimes not the greatest because 
sometimes the church gets in the way or our own pride and selfishness and, and even shame will get in the way. But in the midst of all of that, God has still called us and he's still equipping us to do the task that is at hand. And so I thought John Newton is the guy. And so that's what I wanted to do is I wanted people who differ on soteriology, ecclesiology, um, doctrine of God, divine simplicity versus uh, no on natural theology or anything like that. I wanted to say, let's just put all those things aside and let's focus on the text. Let's focus on our God who we can put those things aside and truly fellowship and love on each other and love Christ. Because if we were to, uh, um, John Mark Kicks said this, um, said if when we come to love on God, God comes also to love on us. And I wanted a conference to kind of really reflect that in the midst of um, this crazy time uh, politically and, you know, COVID still kind of rearing its ugly head every so often and, <clears throat> and all of that. And I wanted us to be able to come together, love on each other, despite differences, despite problems that we may have with one another. I wanted to say, let's love, let's fellowship, and let's worship Christ. Let's be renewed by him. Let's be revived by him. And let's also be forgiven by him as well. Absolutely. I, I, I love the idea. I love the concept of that. Uh, and, uh, it, you know, it makes me it makes me want to have some kind of uh, con a pastor's conference or Bible church or Bible conference at my church. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to be a Clayton Homewood when I grow up. So. <laughs> All I right. I have to change my bat. I guess I'll have to change my view on baptism first. Yeah, you're you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to get right first. <laughs> so tell us about the speakers. Okay. Um, so for day one, we're the entire conference is based on Ephesians two. So our Within two days, we're going to walk through exegetically uh, Ephesians 2, uh, verse, you know, all the way to verse 28 or, or whatever. I can't remember what verse it ends, but we're going to walk through that entire chapter and break that down um, and apply it, essentially, the gospel in it uh, to our daily Christian lives and also our lives as we are pastors. And so, one of the things that I've one of the guys that I've always wanted to have because I really like his mind and we think a lot on uh, similar things like Baptist ecclesiology and also uh, historical Baptist theology like Baptist Catholicity is um, Philip Powers. You know, Philip Powers is actually, it was funny because he, his family, his uh, uncle, I think, used to actually pastor at Morrow Baptist. And so the Powers and me kind of have some kind of relationship. And also his other uncle, Chris Powers, also pastors at the same church where I grew up. And oh. so I have some kind of connection with the Powers in that way. But Philip Powers, uh, we think a lot. We think alike in it. And I wanted him to come in, uh, not only just to, hey, I want to fellowship with you. I wanted you to fellowship with all these, these guys as well. But also I want you to come in and bring us up to speed what's been going on. Why is Paul writing this letter? What are some of the things that he's written in chapter one? Uh, what's what's so special about chapter two? You know, bring us up to speed to chapter two, basically. So I wanted us to bring up a book introduction of how we are going to uh, walk through chapter two. Okay, so that's, that's the first speaker. The second speaker is David Young. He's covering verses one through three. And essentially he's covering the problem of man. What is man's problem? Is he 
is he kind of okay? Is he, you know, pretty well doing okay? He just needs some Jesus on the side to really get him through. Or is there a much more dire problem? And I think that's what the brother David is bringing up. He's, um, you it's know, worse than that. He's dead, Jim. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a whole lot more dead. I mean, he, uh, he's about as deader than a, than a guy that you found four days in and you had to carry to the funeral. <laughs> so it, it's that dead. Uh, and then next up is Alan Nelson. Now, Alan Nelson, this is actually his third year coming to these conferences. Um, he has been very gracious to me uh, and being willing to do this. I've always allowed him also to, you know, Hey, sell your books if you want to sell them if you want to give them away that's up to you that's your business um but you know we're we'll come money in hand <laughs> because if you have not read uh his his two books they're really really great and they're very rich uh death to life i took my moral baptist through and they really really enjoyed it we 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 understood salvation better probably gonna be doing it here soon in cherry valley and so he's covering verses four and five and so alan nelson uh, let me back up a little bit. David Young, actually, that's his church is where we're going to be having the conference at. And so because I'm so new at Cherry Valley and I didn't want to spring something like this on him right off the bat. And also I have left Moral Baptist. David Young has always said, if you're not at Moral Baptist, bring it over here. And so I took him up on that. And sure enough, he agreed. And so funny thing about West Memphis is there's also a ministerial alliance over there that has been in the works for well over 70 some odd years where different churches the anglican churches have come together some of the church of christ folks have come together the baptist the methodist uh had a catholic church had the roman catholics show up one time that didn't work out too well <laughs> <laughs> wonder why <laughs> and so uh so i'm really hoping it's always ruin everything yeah they really do i mean uh, they <laughs> They don't know where the authority comes from, except from Pope so and so. Oh, well, but that Pope so and but the next Pope after him just got rid of everything the previous Pope said. So uh, you don't really know where authority comes from or where actual tradition comes from. But anyway, that's a side note. So they have a ministerial alliance there, and so um, he has already even shared that to the their Facebook page. And so I'm really hoping some of those guys will come out and. Uh, kind of even enrich this even more. And then Alan Nelson is at uh, Second Baptist Parable. And um, and then um, day two uh, is we're going to be focusing on six through 22, and it's John McCallum. This will be his second year coming in, and I really appreciate the pastoral understanding that John McCallum has. I really do appreciate it. He's written a book, so he's kind of up there, you know, as far as smart people goes. He's written three uh, books. Yes, he has written three books. He's written on 23rd Pastor and Preacher in a, in a children's book. He even gave me and uh, Jared Schindler, my brother-in-law, a free children's book. So it's actually Christmas time, and so I want to, like, where's it at now? I didn't know about children's book, so I guess he's written four books because he also okay. wrote on Revelation. Oh, yes, that's right. Yes, that's right. I forgot about the Revelation one. And uh, so he's written those books, and John McCallum comes from, um, I think, First Baptist Hot Springs. Uh, I think it's the title, and um, he's coming, and he really shows the nature of a pastor, and he is willing to come out to the Delta and preach to a bunch of guys who pastor in the Delta, and so I think that's really commendable. And then you, we have you um, focusing on 11 through 18, and uh, I'm going to put like a 
almost like a I'm gonna your mic is gonna be cut off at any moment next time when I hear the word baptism or church polity or anything like that. And so I'll just cut that off automatically. And it's like nope, nope, no, no, no. And so I promise uh, I'm not gonna drown you all. Okay, we're well, I mean us Baptists. I, I told a joke this I told this joke to the other persons the other day uh, to my church. Um, I have a retired pastor actually in my church and uh, his uh, brother-in-law is one of the deacons there as well. But anyway, this is, you know, we Baptists, we're not afraid of water because we're willing to be submerged in water. But when it comes to rain, we get so scared of it. <laughs> and so, um, so you have uh, 11 through 18 and we, uh, I was really encouraged by your last year's message of focusing on that and the God called Christ sustained. Uh, I remember that title. I still have your notes, by the way, if you ever want those. I don't know why I wound up with your actual outline or not, but anyway. Oh, no, I've got it saved on Google Drive. And uh, so we are um, doing that. And then uh, to kind of close this out is Danny Thursby. Danny Thursby is actually works at Grace Theological Seminary. And he um, is also an elder at Grace Bible Church there in Conway as well. And so he's, this will be his second year also, um, Jukam, and he's going to finish out the chapter with us as well. And I know Danny Thursby pretty, fairly well. Um, we've had pretty good discussions. So, and uh, I really enjoy his preaching and his, his willingness also to come and um, help shepherd us uh, for an hour or so. And uh, so, yeah. Well, man, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, yeah. And it, I'm, and if you're a pastor and you're listening to this, I want to invite you to come out uh, for a couple of days and, and join us for this time of fellowship and worship. Um, I really, I really enjoyed last year, the last conference we had. It was, it was incredible. I made all kinds of connections. I got to, I'm so glad I got to meet John McCallum mm-hmm. um, and David Young. David was a blast, man. Yeah, yeah, yes, he uh, is. Yeah, uh, I, I uh, <laughs> he, I think at the at the panel discussion, uh, when we were about to wrap up the panel discussion on the day that I participated in it, um, he said, "I think there's one question that we're failing to ask." And he looked at me <laughs> and he says, "Why aren't you a Baptist?" Because <laughs> you I, preach like one. And <laughs> I know I heard that a lot that day. And, and I said, well, it's because, you know, we, as, as a Presbyterian, um, we love our infants. Oh, okay. And, yeah. Got to go that I, low. <laughs> and then I asked David later, I said, well, why aren't you a Presbyterian? And he, and he said, well, we hate our infants. Said, well, <laughs> that's, that's the answer I was looking for. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Uh, that's yeah. That sounds like David and David. Me and David Young go way back, uh, actually, because he really uh, helped shape me and helped um, really even give me an outlet to some of the theological things I was um, pursuing and understanding and all that. He really just was a, a guy who I could just talk, sit and talk to, and rant even to. Um, but he was the kind of guy who would listen, who would help point point me in the right direction, and just kind of let me go from there. And so I remember him. How did you we meet was, him? how I officially met him was actually church camp. So, um, in when, uh, there is a, uh, our association, Tri-County Baptist Association used to have, we were in the process of selling it now, but we have a church camp, Tri-County Baptist camp, and he would help serve there because he would help teach some of the lessons throughout the day. 
and we met him or I, me and a, and a previous friend met, met him. And he was just a guy who I was, who to me acted like John Calvin. He had a rich theological mind was love, uh, was awesome to hang out with. And he was kind of a dork. And so <laughs> I was like, well, that, that matches my personality. So, um, that's what we did. And so sure enough, I uh, kept in contact with him. We served on church camp a couple years, um, quit shortly after I did, I think before actually, and uh, loved it always. Every time we you know, had a associational meeting or anything like that, was, he was the first guy I looked for. And then the conferences really helped uh, spruce that relationship up. And yeah, uh, in fact, actually during camps, he would be the person who we would look to for free books because he always had so many books left over in his library that he wasn't going to read or go through. So he would take like a big, huge tote of them and just lay them out on the table and says was open to the youth. And so I was introduced to a lot of theological topics that I had no idea about or what to even think about even in the process of, of him giving free books. So, and he's also providing free books of gentle, gentle and lowly uh, Dane Ortland's book. Uh, he's given copies of that and I've been able to get a hold of copies of why church is essential uh, through, uh, I think Jonathan Lehman was one of the authors of that. So those are going to be the free books. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, are there any other freebies besides those that you know of? No, no, I have not been able to get a hold of anything. Trinitarian Bible Society will not return my call because I guess they want money and I'm not giving them money. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I think I've exhausted all the other outlets that I've tried because I've tried, um, Crossway, Crossway wants money. Uh, Grace to you also wants money. Desiring God kind of wants money, but they'll give it to you anyway. But they'll, you know, it's like, okay, I'm just going to give it to you and hope for the best, that kind of thing. Uh, so I'm, as long as this conference is free, I want the materials to be free as well. Sure. Uh, one of the things that prevents, um, people going to these kind of conferences is price yeah um, because mainly because of location they can't afford to get out there for drive flight whatever it may be or it's because they are charging an arm and a leg just to go um, i've seen conferences charge up to three hundred dollars even six hundred dollars before and you should not be putting that kind of price tag on enriching or causing fellowship with other pastors. Uh, one of the things that really turned me off about for together for the gospel, even the first year that I went as much as I love and respect, well, some of them I respect others. I, I, I think they're, they're losing their ever love of Christian minds, but um, much as I love and respect some of them most of the time, um, one of the things that they don't advertise in T4G was that you have you have the actual audience and then you have a red tape kind of area to where the speakers and all their invited people are. And you are not allowed, the audience are not allowed to fellowship with people like Lingen Duncan or Piper or anything else for that matter. Uh, so if you were to go to those places, you, they have legitimately security guards there to block you. So I remember one year I was trying to go and talk with Legan Duncan. I appreciated Legan Duncan. He really helped me out in a lot of areas um, spiritually. I wanted to say, I thank you for your ministry. I thank you for your ministry at RTS, especially, and all those things. And I was stopped way before I could even get to it. And something that things like that, I don't want. I don't want celebrity pastors. Um, celebrity pastors only do 
horrible things to the church of God in the long run. As much as they put out wonderful things and it's it's the way of the game now, I don't think they're going to truly enrich um, the small town people uh, right. and shepherds trying to shepherd uh, small town folks as well. <clears throat> and so that's what I want. I want a conference where none of that crap is going to happen and we can talk to each other and be truthful with each other in all kinds of ways. Sure. Well, you know, I, I appreciate that. And I certainly didn't know that about T4G. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if you heard or not, but this year was actually the last year they did the T4G conference. Yeah, it's um, in April. It's like the day after my birthday. This was like the 15th or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I had actually had even talked to my church about going. Um, but I, that moment alone in 18, when I had to deal with it, it's like, you know, it's just going to be another thing. And the only thing I would really do up there is maybe just hang out and go grab books and maybe stick around for a message or two. You know, I would stick around for like Sinclair Ferguson and Alex DeBeg, who are going to be there for the first time, and Piper, of course. But um, those are people who really, I can, I don't really have to go and see firsthand. It's I'm, I'm, right. I mean, if if you were to go for T4G, there's only one thing that I would say to go for book sales the book sales alone are worth it i will say that um yeah i mean here's the deal you yeah like you said you can you can easily watch those guys at home and especially if you're going to pay all that money and not get to ship with them yeah uh, that's that's insane to me and i and i get it you know they can't talk to everybody but the fact that they've got a taped off area with security guards that's nuts yeah um, um at least, just, at least with us, you know, a small town over in West Memphis. Yeah, nobody, uh, we'll we'll fellowship with you. We'll even sign your Bibles if that's what. Yeah, you, that's what you're into. Yeah, yeah, and that's what uh, my wife did because she grew up in the independent Baptist realm, and you know, during camp meetings, her Bible would actually be signed by all the the preachers during that time, and that's you know special to her. And so stuff like that is, you know, kind of special to me. You know, people who I look up to and respect. I want to be able, I want to be able to say, hey, I had so and so sign this because it, it matters to me. But one thing I started to notice, actually, with um, with pastors like this, and I learned this the hard way with people like C.J. Mahaney, Tolian Tavijan, and others, and even Joshua Harris now, who's probably the most recent case for this. Um, God will literally topple those people to the ground, and so that you quit looking up to them the way that we do. Yeah, and that's what he did. He did the same thing with C.J. Mahaney because it was proven that he covered up some heinous crimes. Tully Division just became a, a dog, and then Joshua Harris apostatized, and um, all these things. God is kind of showing the the people of God and saying, "You're going to quit looking to them." Yes, I've used them for these things. I've used them for the cross-centered life, and I've used them for Jesus plus nothing. It was everything, and I've used them for. Uh, well, Joshua Harris was. I bought into the I kiss dating goodbye, but when you actually start dating, you realize how impractical and unhelpful it is. Yeah, I mean, you got <laughs> he was literally 21 years old when he wrote that book. You, yeah, I, I don't I don't trust a 20 year old, 21 year old no. uh, about dating. Uh, no, I mean, unless you're writing the institutes at 22, I'm not going to pay much attention to you. <laughs> and well, so, and Spurgeon pastored his first church when he was 17. So yeah, I mean, so. 
<laughs> anyway, so I bought into the that whole thing, but his other books were great. Like Dug Down Deep, I really enjoyed because that was my first official like walkthrough of Christian doctrines and the Christian faith. And even people like Mark Driscoll, uh, my first official theological book um, was by him. It was uh, Death by Love. And it really just brought all these things about what Christ has done on the cross for us. He is our atonement. He is our Christ's victor. He's our uh, propitiation, uh, propitiation atonement and all these things. And he brought it down to a pastoral level. So it was almost like him pastoring you throughout these letters. And so all these things that God has done to topple these people to ground, to even tarnish their reputations even because of sinfulness and pride, um, God is saying, you're going to quit looking to them. You're going to look to me. Because if you keep looking to them, I'm going to keep toppling people down. I'm going to keep toppling nations down. I'm going to keep toppling uh, political parties down and all these things. I'm going to keep knocking them down and destroying them on a level of Sodom and Gomorrah until you look to me and find your actual victor, which is Christ, and find my, your actual rest and peace and joy and happiness in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that is something that uh, I want to conference that helps us with that to get rid of all the celebrity pastors and all this jazz and to just be pastors, be normal people, mm. truly uh, sinful pastors. Uh, that's what I want. And yeah. uh, that's good. I've, I've, and I've looked up uh, order services, liturgies as well. And we've, you know, that was something new for me to help, you know, kind of rein in, uh, kind of give us an official formal service. Uh, to cast our minds off of, you know, the simple thing, but to really cast our mind to our God is transcendent. Our God is in the heavens, but he also is so, he is not so high and mighty where we have to try so hard to get to him and strain and cry and do all these things to get to know he comes to us. And I wanted a, 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 an order of service that reflected that as well. Right. Well, man, it's, it's good. I'm I'm going to be looking forward to it. And again, yeah, I hope you'll I hope you'll join us if you're a pastor watching this or listening to it. Uh, this is going to be a good time of worship and fellowship. And we're we're going through Ephesians two, so we're going to hear the gospel. Uh, you yeah. would, you know, you can't go wrong going through Ephesians two. No, no, you really cannot. I um, no, I don't expect it to be like this at all. But I'll tell you one time where I did see uh, a situation where I saw a passage of scripture in the bulletin that was going to be preached. And uh, well, I expected more than what it was. I, what, I used to work overnights at a uh, gas station or no, it was, a, it was a hotel when this happened. I used to work overnights at a hotel. And so I would usually work Saturday overnights, get up early Sunday and get off work early Sunday morning. And I couldn't go to bed because if I went to bed, I would just sleep the rest of the day. Yeah. So what I would do is I would go to the early 8.30 a.m. service at uh, First United Methodist Church where I live. And then, I, and then at 11, I would go to my church because since I was still awake. Mm -hmm. So I, it, it was Easter. It happened to be Easter Sunday morning. And I went to the First United Methodist Church. And uh, I looked over the liturgy in the pamphlet and saw that the text was John 20, the resurrection. You know, it's Easter Sunday and they're doing breakfast after they're doing free breakfast afterward. So I'm like, OK, you got it. And there's a lot of people coming in for the 830 service, too. So I'm thinking, all right, you've got a packed church. You've got food in the back. You've got 
the sermon text is John 20. You cannot mess this up. Like, you, you can't. But, but you're at a Methodist church, though. Right. I failed, <laughs> I, I failed to take into account the capacity for how much Methodists can mess up theology. So the pastor gets up there, and she reads the text. And, of course, you're going to say that that's where they went wrong, too, because they yeah. don't want to pass it. Right. Yep. I'm just, exactly. I'm, yep. Yeah, I called it. Uh, so, <laughs> but she, get, she gets up there and reads the passage, and she goes into her sermon, and she starts talking about how uh, the Ministerial Alliance in our town has done so much to, uh, uh, you know, give free lunches out to kids and pack backpacks for the schools and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, so this is a, an introduction. She'll, she'll get to the text in a minute. Mm-hmm. Ten minutes go by. 15 minutes go by. Oh, gosh. And then at about the 16 or 17-minute mark, she's still talking about this, and she brings it back around to John 20, and she goes, To see the resurrection of Christ now, you have to see it in the smiling faces of these children when they receive their lunch, you know. And, and she brings it around to social justice and works in the community. Oh, geez. And yeah. Then she ends it. And I look around, and like everyone is just half of them are asleep, and the other half are just inoculated. I guess. Well, they're they're probably so used to it now. Probably. I mean, they, they and just then they sung the last hymn, and we closed. And I went back and got free food. I mean, I had to sit through that. I might as well get some yeah. food for it. Uh, <laughs> but I was just done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that is the exact opposite of what I expect whenever, whenever I see Ephesians 2 on the docket for this conference. I, I fully expect to hear a solid gospel exposition, um, and I know, we'll, I know we'll have that with the speaker lineup that we have. Yeah, yeah, we so, will. And uh, yeah. Is there anything I'm, else you would like to say uh, about your ministry or the conference? Um, no, um, just anybody who's out and about on the 20th, uh, 21st of may um please come check us out starts at 10 o'clock for both days and there's a free lunch as well uh, david young's church has graciously agreed to feed us uh for those two days and so that's that's already taken care of and there's also plenty of restaurants uh around in there and so um you know marion is just right up the street and there's a colton's there as well and so anybody who doesn't want free food you can go pay for something and then if you're <laughs> and if you're, you're gonna uh, out snub about, the potluck at a baptist church yeah, I mean, come on. We this is it. This is our time to shine right here. Uh, no other denomination does this as best as we do. And so, uh, and then also, if you're out and about on a Sunday morning for Cherry Valley, around in that area, Wynn area, Jonesboro area, uh, come and see us. Um, services at ten thirty that day. And um, so that's something that's I've had a joy of being able to uh, church that church there so far, and I've enjoyed it because they've really taken a liking to my family. I think it's really only because of the kids, you know, they're cute and everything. They really care about us, but no, I'm kidding. Uh, uh, but no, they, they really have shown an interest and love towards us as, uh, as their pastor and, and my wife. And so I couldn't ask of anything better. Good. good. We're glad to hear that. Yep. Well, uh, Clayton, thank you for being on the podcast. Uh, this, thank has you. Been a, this has been a phenomenal time together. And I look forward to having you back on the podcast sometime. I look forward to yeah. the conference. So. 
Thank you. All right, well, guys, thank you for joining us, and we will see you again on the Monday morning megaphone. If you're following the live stream, you'll see me again later today. I'll be talking about why Calvinism is not fatalism. Uh, so uh, that'll be around one o'clock. And then if you're listening to this, to this on the podcast, you'll actually hear that next week. And then we've got on the 23rd of this month, we've got Josh Summer coming on. And uh, we will be talking about uh, natural theology, Trinity, and why all of this matters to uh, church folks in the pews. Again, thank you for joining us, and we look forward to you joining us again. Catch you later.